we went and we played the team in the NFL that was acknowledged as the best team and the highest scoring team. And we whipped them. And what comes with a good whipping for a young team who is struggling? The great equalizer. Confidence. What's going on, Raider Nation? Today is Friday, October 16th, 2020, and this is the Angry Raider Podcast. I'm Eric the Angry Raider. Thank you very much for joining me as we recap the Raiders beating the Chiefs of Week 5 on Sunday. Sorry it took a... It took a while for me to get this episode out. I've been really busy at work. It is EIB week, and so I'm grading and testing guys for EIB. If you don't know what that is, well, join the club. Most people don't know what it is, and I'm not going to take the time to explain it. But anyway, so that phrase that I started out there with, that saying that we went up and we played against the best team, we whipped them, and with that, a young team that was struggling gained confidence. I would not be surprised if you mistook that for something that somebody just said about this week, this win on Sunday, where the Raiders beat the Chiefs, who were acknowledged as the best team in the NFL, according to most of the pundits, and the highest scoring team in the NFL. And the Raiders were a young team who were struggling, lost their last two games, and they whipped them. So if you believe that I was talking, that I, that, that quote was referring to week five win, I wouldn't blame you because it definitely applies. But it doesn't. It was, or it wasn't referring to week five. That quote was from Matt Millen, who was referring to the week six win that the then Oakland Raiders had over the then San Diego Chargers uh, back in 1980. And if you remember, the 1980 Oakland Raiders went on to win the Super Bowl. After starting the season two and three. And so, what am I saying here? Am I saying that the Raiders are going to go win the Super Bowl? No, of course not. But I love the parallels between the 1980 season and that week six game and the 2020 season and that week five game. I think it's at, I think the parallels there are almost completely identical. It was a huge division win. For a young team that is struggling but up and coming, and that they absolutely whipped them, and that it could definitely be a springboard to lead to an excellent season for the Las Vegas Raiders. So, definitely very excited about it. Now, this definitely was an, a great win that the Raiders had, and it could certainly springboard them to, to a great season, and it could give them a whole lot of confidence. However, before we get a little too far ahead of ourselves and say that this team is just like the team in 2020, let's not forget that just last year, in 2019, the Raiders had a very similar win in almost a, in, in the exact identical week. So, 2019, the Raiders started 2-2, two and two, and they went to London, and they beat the Bears, who were not regarded as the, acknowledged as the best team in the NFL, but were still acknowledged as one of the uh, better teams one of the best teams in the NFL, and we're also acknowledged as having the best defense in the NFL. And the Raiders whipped them. And so, but then the Raiders went on to finish the season at 7-9. and nine. And so, while it was, while that Week 5 win against the Bears last season was awesome, and it was a lot of fun, and it definitely gave the team a lot of, uh, I believe it gave the team a lot of confidence. It still didn't work out to even get the Raiders into the playoffs, let alone to the Super Bowl. 
So the question then becomes, which team is this win more uh, more like? Does it represent the 2019 team that had an emotional win but couldn't really carry that through to win the to make the playoffs? Or does it close, more closely resemble that of the 1980 season? All right, so probably, honestly, probably neither of them. Uh, the answer is probably somewhere in the middle because I definitely think that this is a win that will give the Raiders a lot of confidence moving forward and that they'll be able to they'll be able to take the lessons that they learned from this game and say, okay, this is what we got to do every single game to to win at this league, to win at this level. And I say that because, well, one, there's, I say I think it's more more like the 1980 season and less like the 2019 uh, season because let's not forget that the 2019 season, the Raiders, yeah, they did beat the Bears, but the Bears were also handicapped. They didn't have Mitch Trubisky. They uh, were starting, oh, I can't even remember the guy's name now, Daniel Chase. No, Chase Daniel, excuse me, Chase Daniel. They were starting Chase Daniel, not Mitch Trubisky. I mean, the drop-off between Chase Daniel and Mitch Trubisky – I mean, it's not really that much, but still. And then also, while the Raiders definitely whipped on the Bears, they made so many mistakes in that game. You know, some really costly fumbles, and they they damn near lost the game, even after outplaying the Bears for so much of the game. But because of some huge mistakes that they made, they almost lost the game. Talking about the uh, fumbled pitch to Josh Jacobs, the fumble at the the one-inch yard line by Trevor Davis. All those things. And the Raiders, and I mean, the Raiders were able to come back because the Bears also made mistakes of their own and that the Raiders were able to capitalize. But in this game, the Chiefs really didn't make a whole lot of mistakes. I mean, definitely they they didn't adjust as well as they needed to and they didn't execute as well as they needed to, but it wasn't like they made these blatant mistakes where you go, oh, shoot, you know, that's uh, that's why the Raiders won, because the Chiefs just shot themselves in the foot. No, the Raiders legitimately legitimately outplayed the Chiefs, maybe perhaps not at the Chiefs' best, but certainly uh, not at their worst, and certainly they didn't win because of unforced errors and unforced mistakes that the Chiefs made. All the mistakes that the Chiefs made were certainly forced uh, upon them by by the Raiders executing their plays. So I do think that this game resembles more of the 1980 season than it does of the 2019 season, and that it will definitely be a game that helps the Raiders gain confidence and win more and more games this season and probably even get into the playoffs. Now, uh, to my buddy Scott Foster, who helped me make the uh, the last episode of the preview episode, um, I... I really can't rub it into him because I didn't predict that the Raiders would win. And so I'm just as wrong as he was. Uh, so that, and uh, thanks, thanks again to him for helping me make that episode. But I still will gloat a little bit that the Raiders did beat the Chiefs and that it was a good, good whipping. So, uh, but still, I don't believe that the Raiders at this time are a better team than the Kansas City Chiefs. I think they definitely played a better game. And they are definitely competitive with the Chiefs, but I don't necessarily know that they know that right now they are a better team than they are. Uh, so maybe by the end of the season, by the time that they meet up again in November for the second game, 
maybe they will be a better team. But right now, I still think that the Chiefs are a better team. And by the way, if you didn't know, uh, this morning or last night or whenever, I think it was last late last night, it's always tough to tell because I'm six hours ahead of Eastern Standard Time here in Italy. So I don't always know exactly when things broke out. But the uh, Chiefs did, in fact, sign uh, Le'Veon Bell, the former Jets and Pittsburgh Steelers running back who... While he's been disappointing, uh, he was definitely disappointing in 2019 and didn't play at all in 2018 and hasn't played well in 2020. We still very much remember what he did in you know 2015, 2016, 2017 that made him such a such a great running back. So he definitely is a viable weapon that the Chiefs have now that can hopefully make them better. But it wasn't so much that the Chiefs were beat so badly on offense as that they absolutely could not stop the their defense could not stop the Raiders. So, but anyway, so we'll get into the game here, uh, here for a little bit. So, the game uh, obviously started off really pretty bad with the Raiders uh, going down fourteen to three pretty quickly in the first quarter. But then by halftime, they came right back, and and at, by halftime they were tied at twenty four to three at twenty four all. So, good job on the Raiders for fighting back, especially after Derek Carr threw that interception. Uh, at that point, the game was seven to three, and the Chiefs went down with a short field and made it fourteen to three. There was definitely this feeling that the Raiders were that the Raiders were going to screw this up and that they weren't going to be able to come out and dig themselves out of this hole because the Raiders always run the ball and that's their main strength, and they they can't go make big make big plays downfield. Except, holy shit, they can! And anyone who and I always knew that they could. And so it's really frustrating talking to people thinking that, yes, the Raiders can make these big plays. And, you know, for people to say that they absolutely couldn't, it was absolutely hilarious. And so, yes, then uh, Derek Carr hits Nelson Aguilar for a big touchdown. The Raiders uh, forced the Chiefs to a field goal at that point. And then the uh, Raiders score another touchdown um, to to go down 21-17. to I uh, know. So, excuse me. Yeah, the Raiders didn't hold the Chiefs to a field goal. The Chiefs scored a touchdown, but the Raiders scored a touchdown right back to go down twenty seventeen, and then forced the Chiefs to a punt. And then uh, the first big touchdown was a uh, I want to say it was like a forty nine yard bomb to Nelson Aguilar. It was a beautiful play. By the way, I'm pretty sure it's the same play that the Raiders ran last year in Kansas City, where Tyron Matthew intercepted the ball and. He said he was on the sideline saying, I'm too smart, I'm too smart, and then told the rest of the NFL world that he knew exactly where Derek Carr was going with the ball because he studied the film so well. If you look at the play design, the play concept, I'm pretty sure it was either the exact identical play or very, very close to it. Except this time, instead of trying to hit Darren Waller on the deep flat, he went deep to Nelson Aguilar, who torched his man and... I got into the end zone, so it was a beautiful play. And then the Raiders also had a little drive where Devontae Booker ripped off a, I want to say it was a 42, 43-yard run and really set the Raiders up pretty good. They got a few more runs and a few more intermediate passes. They are in the red zone. And then in the red zone, Derek Carr hit Darren Waller for a touchdown on a on a catch that while Darren Waller was wide open, it must have been a really hard catch because Carr threw it in there really hard, uh, making sure that you know it wouldn't get tipped down and want to want to capitalize. He saw that Darren Waller was open right there, and he threw it. It was 
it was very, very, he threw it very, very fast. But Darren Waller caught it, touchdown, beautiful play. It was awesome. So good on Derek Carr and on Darren Waller for that one. And then, of course, the really exciting play was the 72-yard uh, bomb to Henry Ruggs III. And this guy, Henry Ruggs, he only had two receptions in this game on three targets. But in those two receptions, he had one touchdown and 118 yards. It was unbelievable. This is the impact that the that we knew he could make for the Raiders. Henry Ruggs, his position with the Raiders, his his role, I should say, with the Raiders, is not to be the main offensive weapon and to have the offense flow through him. Not yet, not at this point at least. The Raiders still run the offense through the through the running game and through the short to intermediate passing game. But when they brought in Ruggs, Ruggs said that they literally just told him, hey, just uh, all we need you to do is take advantage of the opportunities when you get them. All right, you're going to have these opportunities. Teams are going to stack the boxes. Teams are going to cover the flats and the short and intermediate passes. And when your opportunities come, you need to win your matchups. And when you got 4-2 speed and nobody else has 4-2 speed, it is really easy to win your matchups. And he won both those matchups. His first reception was absolutely beautiful. Uh, The ball was a little bit underthrown. Uh, by car, and he was fairly well covered by the safety. the uh, The safety and the cornerback were bracketing him, and as he he ditched the cornerback, but the safety was in position to still make a play on him, and he literally reached pretty much up and over the safety to make the catch. Really awesome. All the talk about this guy was just a was just nothing but a speedster, and wasn't a complete wide receiver. It's absolute bullshit because. He does run good routes. He doesn't run routes as good as Jerry Judy, but he runs very good routes. He is great at 50-50 balls. He's not as great at 50-50 balls as CeeDee Lamb is, but he does have good ball skills, and he can uh, and he can do that. He has great hands. I don't know if there's any other wide receiver in the draft class that had better hands than him. Honestly, he probably had the best hands. And, of course, he has the great speed. He has a speed that nobody else in his draft class has. That's really what it comes down to. In every attribute that you look at with in a wide receiver, you know all the stuff that you want them to be able to do. You know, like uh, okay, to to run block, to you know run routes, uh, to uh, track the ball downfield on deep passes, to fight for the ball and and get those plays to make a guy miss and break tackles and things like that. In most of those categories, he was never really like the best receiver at, at any of those. Um, but he was always like one of the top top three prospects at that. So like at like uh at like route running, no, he wasn't as good as Jerry Judy. And so people automatically assume that Jerry Judy was the better receiver. And now Jerry Judy may very well have a better career than Henry Ruggs will be. But Henry Ruggs was a damn good receiver. So many people just kind of labeled him because he was the fastest receiver in the in the draft and because he was so damn fast at 4-2, they wanted to put him in the same box as guys like Darius Hayward Bay or or John Ross, you know, guys who were just really good and really, really fast, but not necessarily very good wide receivers. That is not Henry Ruggs. Henry Ruggs is a great wide receiver. So, no, he probably didn't have the best ball skills in his draft class. That was probably CeeDee Lamb. He didn't have the best route running in his draft class. That was probably Jerry Judy. And he, you know, so many other things that he, uh, he didn't have, like, the, the best ability to break tackles uh, when, he, when he had the ball. That was, 
uh, I don't know, that could have been uh, several different plays or several different uh, wide receivers. Uh, I, I don't really know them well enough to say who was the best at it. But in all of them, in all those categories, Henry Ruggs was really, really good at it anyway, even if he wasn't the best. But he probably did have the best hands, and he did have, by far, the best speed. And at the end of the day, what a wide receiver needs to do is catch the ball and get in the end zone. And having the having the best hands and being the fastest is certainly going to go a long way for that. So it annoys me that people just thought that he was just a speedster, that he wasn't a good quality wide receiver like Jerry Judy or CeeDee Lamb, because he was. He is a great, great receiver, and he's going to have a great career for the Raiders. Now, so moving on from that, uh, there's the second half came along, and the Raiders, uh, It really in the third quarter, it really became a defensive match where uh, the Raiders made adjustments and were able to stop the Chiefs for the most part. Thanks in most to they stopped blitzing the Chiefs. You don't want to blitz Patrick Mahomes. He is damn good at recognizing and picking up the blitzes and executing in such a way that he'll that he will hurt you. Against I think the Raiders blitzed him six times in the game, and I'm pretty sure he was like five for six or six for six with over hundred yards and a touchdown, something like that. He handled the blitz just fine. And he always he always does. He's very good at handling the blitz, as is Derek Carr. So the Raiders made an adjustment where they would rush only three or four. They would have a spy on Patrick Mahomes. A spy is someone who doesn't necessarily rush the passer, uh, rush the quarterback. Is usually a linebacker who will stay back behind the line of scrimmage or you know back behind the the pocket, and he'll mimic where the uh, where the quarterback is trying to go so the quarterback tries to move the pocket or escape the pocket that's where the uh the spy will come in and make a play on it and that spy for the most part was Arden Key I think uh, he did it pretty much all the time in fact and he played it really really well and so he did awesome with that and what was even bigger is that the pass rush was able to get home they were able to be disruptive and to uh and to force Patrick Mahomes to throw the ball early, to escape the pocket, and have to throw on the run. And it was really frustrating because even as they were doing that, Patrick Mahomes still made a lot of plays on the run that only he can make, and it was super, super frustrating. And the the Raiders' secondary was pretty much told today, hey, you're going to have to, or excuse me, not today, but on uh, for the game, that they were going to have to guard their guys longer than they're used to, and they're just going to have to be patient. And, and that even when Patrick Mahomes makes these great plays, as he will, they're just going to have to trust the system and keep uh, doing that because that's really the only way to slow to slow down the Chiefs. You're never going to stop the Chiefs, as evident by the Chiefs scoring 32 points and people still being very impressed with the Raiders' defense and how they handled it. So you're never going to stop the Chiefs, but you can certainly slow them down and disrupt them. Uh, so the pass rush of Clinton Farrell and Max Crosby was awesome, especially Clinton Farrell. Uh, while he didn't get any sacks, um, he was very disruptive and he had, I believe, nine pressures. And he would have had a sack. So this is one of those plays where Chiefs fans are whining about it. It was a play where Patrick Mahomes escaped the pocket and went deep for Tyreek Hill. And Tyreek Hill would have caught the ball like the three or four yard line. But Jonathan Abram did interfere with it. It was it was pretty blatant too. Um, it was There was like a little bit of question about it because in real time, it did look like he got there perhaps a little bit early, but not like early enough. It seemed like he timed it pretty well. And then when he slowed it down super, 
super slow. Then yes, he did arrive a, a second or two early. It was a non-call, and Chiefs fans are whining and complaining about it all over social media. Like, oh, blah blah blah. They had called that one right, then then you know it would have been uh, more points for the Chiefs. The refs handed this game to the Raiders. The Raiders didn't win. The Raiders aren't the better team. Blah 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 blah. All right. So first of all, you're never going to convince the Raiders that the Raiders fans that the refs helped them. Okay, we have certainly been awarded many, many phantom pass interference calls and rough the passer calls and bullshit like that. So we don't care. But also on that same play, go back and look at the tape. You can go, you can see it. Cleanup Farrell, number 96, was playing as a three-technique defense, uh, defensive tackle. Arden Key and Max Crosby were playing as the defensive ends. All three of those guys beat their man. And Cleanup Farrell beat his man so bad the left guard, that he had a free pass to go and knock out Patrick Mahomes. Now you say, okay, well, Patrick Mahomes is faster than Cleveland Farrell. He just would have escaped the pocket. Well, no, he couldn't because on on both of his sides, he had Max Crosby and Arden Key bearing down on him as well there. So if he tries to escape to the left or the right, he's going to meet one of those guys and they're going to pop him just as hard. But Patrick Mahomes was able to step into the pocket because the defensive tackle wasn't able to create any, any pressure. Now, wait a minute. The defensive tackle wasn't able to create any pressure. You just told me that Cleveland Farrell beat his man really bad and had a free shot at him. And yes, he did. Until the left guard, who was behind Cleveland Farrell at this point, literally grabs his shoulders and yanks him back. Just, I mean, that's a, that's a wrestling move. That's not a football move. It was blatant holding. Blatant holding. Like, couldn't have been any more. And had he... N- it should have been called as holding, and definitely been a uh, definitely been a penalty there. So even if the defensive pass interference penalty was called, that one should have been called just as much. And had he not held him, Patrick Mahomes would have been blown up. He would have been smashed by Clint Farrell, or his maybe, or by Arden Key or Max Crosby. One of those three guys, or even multiple of them, would have absolutely come down crashing on him, would have forced a fumble, would have knocked him out of the game, what have you. It would not have ended well for the Chiefs. But Cleon Farrell was blatantly held, like unbelievably blatantly, blatantly held, and cannot believe it wasn't called. But it wasn't called. So no, I don't think that the Raiders only won because of a non-defensive pass interference call because the only reason there's a non-defensive pass interference call is because there was a non-holding penalty. There was a non-call and a holding penalty. And if he hadn't held him, then he, Patrick Mahomes would have been blown up and, and, blind, and knocked really, really hard. So no, I don't feel bad. The Raiders fully and completely outplayed the Chiefs this in, in this game. That is the reason that the Raiders won. The refs didn't help the Raiders out. The Chiefs didn't make any catastrophic mistakes that they don't normally make that were just so unbelievable or inexcusable. No, the Raiders just flat out outplayed the Chiefs. That's what it came down to. They were the better, they were the better team on Sunday, and they won the game because they played better. That's really what it just came down to. So I know plenty of Chiefs fans are probably not, I'm probably going to disagree with that, that the Raiders played better and say that the refs helped them out with something else, blah, blah, blah. Like, oh, well, okay, maybe that pass interference wasn't, uh, you know, was wouldn't have changed the game. But the other pass interference, no, there wasn't another pass interference. I know what play they're talking about. They're talking about, I believe it was a third down play. 
where Patrick Mahomes again had to escape the pocket because again the pass rush was was disrupting him and and uh, forced him out of the pocket and things like that. And he again had to throw on the run. And he was targeting Travis Kelsey and Trayvon Mullen, the young cornerback, made a great play, knocked the ball away. Now, did he did he hit uh, Travis Kelsey as he went to make the play? Yeah, he did. There was incidental contact as he went to to defend the pass, and he did defend the pass. He got his hands on the ball. And there was incidental contact uh, with that, which is fine. There could be incidental contact as long as the defender is making a play on the ball, which he was, and he did. So it doesn't matter. You can go ahead and complain about that all you want, Chiefs fans, but that is that is the rule, that is, and the interpretation of the rule is that if the defender is making a play on the ball, there can be incidental contact. He has just as much right to make a play on that ball. And so that's that's what he did. He wasn't trying to tackle Travis Kelsey at that point. He was trying to defend the ball, and he did. So, no, that wasn't defensive pass interference. So, you know, I'll take that. Um, but, yeah, the Raiders just completely outplayed the Chiefs, uh, especially after Derek Carr threw that interception. From that point on, the Raiders were by far the better team. And this game, it's really annoying because the Raiders still found a way to make this close. They thoroughly outplayed the Chiefs. They really, really did. Uh, when, But they still found a way to keep it interesting. What I'm talking about is the Raiders ended up winning by eight points. And the only reason it was by eight points and not by more is because Dale Carlson missed missed an extra point. And now as far as mistakes go, that is one of those mistakes that is relatively easy for a team to overcome. Because if you miss an extra point, that means by definition that you at least scored six points on the play before, which is the best possible outcome that you can have on any given play is scoring six points on that, on that play. So in that sense, it is kind of a easy, uh, an easy mistake to overcome. And the Raiders certainly were able to, but realize this, that that put the Raiders up by six instead of seven. And then they stopped the chiefs and then got a field goal, which, uh, hit by Daniel Carlson, which was a big field goal, so good on him for that, making up for it. And so that put the Raiders up by 9 instead of 10. And then Patrick Mahomes uh, threw an interception to Jeff Heath, who returned it all the way to the 1, which put the Raiders up by 16 instead of 17. Now, why is a 16 is a 17-point lead so much more preferable than a 16-point lead? The reason is, is because a 16-point lead is still technically a two-possession game. A team with just two possessions can score 16 points. They can score a touchdown, which is six points, and then a two-point conversion, get the ball back, score another touchdown, and get another two-point conversion. Whereas if it's a 17-point game, the Chiefs need three possessions. And there wasn't enough time for three possessions. There was about five minutes left on the clock at that time. Not enough time for three possessions, especially the way the Chiefs were playing uh, at that time. So, had the Raiders gone up by 17 points with five and a half minutes left? You know what? Andy Reid probably calls off the dogs. He probably sends in uh, his backup quarterback to finish off the game. And the Raiders probably win this one by 17 or 14 points or something like that. Uh, You know, at the very least, probably 10 points. But no, Andy Reid knew that the Chiefs technically still were in it and uh, had a chance to come back and and win the game. And to their credit, they did score a touchdown and then on a very annoyingly 
Uh, great play by Patrick Mahomes. He converted the two-point conversion to really give the Chiefs a chance. You know, had the Raiders stopped that two-point conversion, that would have been the end of the game right there. But they didn't. And then the Raiders got the ball back, and they needed two first downs. And they picked up the first first down, and then uh, the Chiefs really just sold out to try and stop the Raiders from picking up another first down. But on fourth and one, John Gruden... Made a very gutsy call. I mean, the Raiders had the ball around midfield, and so had they failed at this uh, fourth down, then the Chiefs would have had excellent field position to go back, and then they would have had all the momentum, and they could have gone back to tie the game. It would have been really easy to say, hey, let's punt the ball, let's pin them deep and make them go you know, all that distance, but there still was like a minute and a half left, and so... even And even without any timeouts, the Chiefs still definitely had the weapons and the and the ability to go and score touchdowns. But John Gruden went for it. Derek Carr snuck it, picked up the first down. Uh, and Tyron Matthew was celebrating as if the Chiefs stopped him, which was just absurd to me. I'm like, uh, why are you celebrating there, man? You, you see where Derek Carr is. You see he got the first down. I don't know what the hell is going on. So uh, I guess you're not too smart anymore, Tyron Matthew. Just, you know, pointing that one out there. But anyway, um, and then, yeah, then the Raiders just had to kneel uh, two times to seal the victory. And it was, it was just all, all around just a great game for the Raiders. And they thoroughly whipped on the Chiefs. It, this, what I love about this is this wasn't a cheap win. What I mean by that is this wasn't a win where the Raiders didn't necessarily outplay the other team, but they still won, you know, because of like some weird thing that happened or, you know, some bogus call that never got that went their way or some freak play that went against them. All right, so... What do I mean by that? Like, so think of 2018. The Raiders only won two games. They probably, or excuse me, they only won four games. They probably shouldn't have even won four games. They probably should have only won two because uh, there was, they beat the Cleveland Browns at home. And there was a point where the Cleveland Browns, I'm pretty sure, picked up a first down. And that, and they picked up that first down, it would have ended the game. But the Raiders, the uh, refs gave them a bad spot. The Raiders got the ball back, tied it up, won in overtime. Kind of a cheap win. That was more a mistake on the part of the refs than it was at the Raiders winning. Or later on that season, the Steelers were down by two and drove into field goal position with a chance to win it. But their field goal kicker, who was very accurate, I can't remember his name, but you know he's a decent field goal kicker. And it wasn't like a crazy field goal. I think it was within 40 yards. I think it was like 37 yards or something like that. He slips. He flat out slipped on the on the kick, and the kick was no good. Had he not slipped, he probably would have hit the kick, and the, and the Steelers would have won. So it was you know wins like that where definitely you'll take them because at the end of the day, a win is a win no matter what. But you didn't necessarily outplay the other team. That's not really sustainable. In this game, the Raiders outplayed the Chiefs, and it was definitely evident. So. I still think that the Chiefs are the better team as of right now. Again, in the future that uh, I may have to change that. And I still don't think that Derek Carr is elite, but I mean, damn, he's played at a really, really high level uh, so far this season through five games. So if he keeps this up, he, he will be elite if he plays, if he plays much like he has these first five games, he has to take better care of the ball with that, uh, especially in regards to fumbles. Uh, but, you know, if you, it is, 
if he keeps playing like this and fixes the fumbles problem, he will will stop qualifying this and just say he's not a good quarterback. He is an elite quarterback. But got to see it before before it happens. So if uh, if it does happen, the Raiders are going to win a lot of games. And if they rush the passer like they did on Sunday, then they will win a lot of games. I said earlier that the Raiders are pretty much an elite pass, a, uh, excuse me, not an elite pass rush, but are just a pass rush away from being a contender. And they absolutely showed it because for the first time this season, the pass rush was really disruptive and the Raiders beat the Chiefs. And honestly, if you can beat the Chiefs, seriously, then there is, you can beat any team at, at that point. They're, they are acknowledged as the best team in the NFL. So if you can beat the Chiefs, you can literally beat anybody. That doesn't mean that they will, but it means that they can. So, again, um, at the you know at the beginning of the season, I said that there was like a hundred percent chance that the Chiefs win the division. And after after Sunday's game, I mean, it's no longer a hundred percent. They uh, this was this win really showed that the Chiefs are vulnerable, not bad. Not, and uh, certainly not um, easy to beat by any means, but they are vulnerable and there is a way to beat them. It's not easy, but uh, think of it as like uh, Rocky Balboa when, um, when he was fighting Dolph Lundgren and Dolph Lundgren got cut and, uh, you know, Rocky's trainer is sitting there, you see, he's, you cut him, he's not a machine, you know, or... Uh, or in Predator, when they're tracking the blood of the uh, the Predator, they're saying if it can bleed, it can die, something like that. Yeah, this this really showed um, showed the Raiders that the Chiefs are vulnerable and they can be beaten. So, again, it's not easy. And I don't know that the Raiders are the better team or that they'll win again in November. And I still think that the Chiefs will win the division, but it's no longer 100%. It's probably now between 80 and 85%. And who knows, in a few weeks, it might be less than that. We'll see. But anyway, thanks a lot for listening. I'll be doing a a joint episode with um, One Nation uh, Podcast here later this week. So be on the lookout for that. Should be a lot of fun. I really, I really, <clears throat> I really enjoy those guys. Uh, we share a lot of the same viewpoints. And with it being the bye week, we thought it'd be fun to do a do an episode with them. And then we'll get ready for the Bucks on Sunday Night Football the week after that. So it should be a lot of fun. Uh, hey, hit me up on Twitter. Um, on Twitter at, uh, my handle is Mark Davis's barber. My, uh, Twitter account name is at angry Raider two. Hit me up. We'll talk football. It's the entire reason I joined Twitter and the entire reason I start, I made this podcast is just to talk football. So we'll get on, we'll talk football, especially if you disagree with me, it is much more fun to talk football with somebody who disagrees with you than somebody who, uh, who just agrees with everything, uh, has the same viewpoints as you do. But no matter what, I'll talk football with you and we'll share our thoughts and it'll be a lot of fun. Hey guys, take care. Once a Raider, always a Raider. Bye.